In a world where coaches are still the main characters, the players are now legally chasing the ultimate bag, and the game of basketball is always the top priority, there is only one brand you can trust to help you wade through all the madness. Hey, I'm Tate Frazier from One Shining Podcast, and you can join me twice a week as we navigate the always entertaining world of college basketball. Every Monday, The Ringer's Kyle Mann helps me make sense of the biggest stories from the weekend. And on Fridays, we talk to our many friends of the program. We're locked in on the best postseason in sports. Make sure you follow One Shining Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Poppin', motherfucking Mondays, Roger Bell here, Logan Murdoch there, Howard Beck in the cut. Man, it's been a great weekend, guys. Wow. How you guys doing? What's going on? How's life? Things are good. I'm just jumping in. Roger looks like he's just, he he just wants to hang back for another few seconds. I went, I went straight from cold-ass Indianapolis to uh, not quite as warm as hoped, but much warmer Miami for a couple days with the family to uh, thaw oh. out. Post All Star, and you, you didn't even hit Raja. You didn't even hit Raja. See, see, wow, bro, God, <laughs> wow. like dry snitching on himself. How where where were you, Howard? How was uh? It was a little chilly here for real, though. It was it. it it's what been, is uh, chilly in Miami, yeah. though. What is like chilly in 66. Miami? Sixty six. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it was fifty five this morning. Taking the kids to school, like the, I mean, forgive us, but that. People down here are in starter jackets. I mean, back when we were in <laughs> starter jackets, I'm dating myself. But when I was in school, 55 would put you in a starter jacket, dog. Okay. All 55 right. in yeah. New York in the middle of winter is shorts weather. Correct. By, Correct. by contrast. Yeah. Now, we were at, we were in uh, Miami Beach, not South Beach, not the crazy part. Like, we were a little yeah. further north in the calmer, chill part. Uh, and we spent a day down in Key Largo, went snorkeling. It was great. Oh, very cool. Oh, wow. Got some snow, stone crabs. Hadn't had stone crabs in a long time. Mm. Joe's, wow. Joe's, oh yeah! Mm. All right, look at you wow. guys. You're on your bag. Yeah, we should have just showed up on Raja's doorstep. That would have been funny. I don't know though. I don't, Raja's <laughs> so rich. I don't know if you could have got to his doorstep. I'll be that's, honest with you. That's cap. That's cap. You could have tagged. <laughs> you could have tagged along to all of our stuff, bro. The more the merrier. We were. We were at a seven year old soccer game yesterday. Um, 
4v4, small field, no goalies. And I want to say we were probably 23 deep. So like oh. we... The more the barrier, Howard. Well, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> orange slices. Were there orange slices? Orange slices. Uh, all of the young ladies had blue mouths in the second game. They were back-to-back games because there was a slushy machine over there. <laughs> so everybody had blue faces, man. It was it was hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. That's what's uh, I went to go see uh, Andre 3000 in San Ooh. Francisco. Wow. That man could play the flute, and it was like a fucking <laughs> seance, man. <laughs> Things we did not anticipate saying. Uh, I mean, I can play the flute two bro. years ago. That dude is cold. It was. It what? was. <laughs> I went to go well, see that him. Shit just choked me up, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> he cold. He didn't rap at all. He has. He's doing. A, it was like a five for the seat venue at uh, Bimbo's three sixty five, and that's up. It was solid. It was solid. All right, it was. It was it was a seance, you know. It was fine. It was great. Yeah, I don't. I'm not With involved enough all to appreciate a, a flute session. <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't begrudge anyone else, but I am not involved enough. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, I just, you know, it was great art. Is all I'm gonna say. It was. It was go. a great. Uh, it was great. Um, shout out to the to everybody that pulled up. It was. It was awesome. Anyways. Wow, this got off to the uh, got off to a wild start. So let's 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 bring this back together, okay? Um, so the other day or last night, I'm thinking of segments to to pursue on this podcast, and I'm like, "Fuck, what am I gonna do?" I'm going to Warriors Nuggets. Maybe I can get something off of that. Now, Jokic was great in that game. It was a phenomenal display. I think he had 32, 16, and sixteen, like which is a a two K line. But we're not gonna talk about that right now. Before the game. Howard sent me a clip. Howard is like executive producer on the low right now of real ones. He's the new one. He's over. He hit me. He was like, can I humbly suggest a segment? I'm like, sure. Fucking Ooh, Howard humbly. back. Of course. Howard, yeah. Just tell it like, yo, just fucking, yo, you're here. Just hop Anyways, in. Yeah, let's go. Let's hop in. Let's go. So he sends me this, uh, this tweet video of JJ Reddick basically um, talking, having a conversation with Stephen A. Smith about how we consume sports, right? And um, I sent you guys a video of the pre-pod, basically talking about how if he were to put a YouTube video up of him teaching the game, it would maybe get about 55,000 views. But if he's maybe going at a player or he is, you know, maybe throw, stirring up some controversy, it gets a lot more views. And that says a lot about the normal the, the media consumption habits that we have as a society right now. And this conversation was also in reference to a overall bigger clip that we're not going to get into, but it was about just to give context about how Kevin Durant spends mo- more time complaining than actually about like his circumstances, his what happened in past stops, than actually teaching us about the game. It was a very interesting discussion that you guys should check out on the Worldwide Leader. But it got me and Howard to think, and Raj, I want to bring you into this, into this discussion. It's just about how our our viewing habits as sports fans, particularly basketball sports fans, and how we should um, maybe view the game and in a lot of different ways. But I'll start with Raja on this. Raja, when we are talking about the game on Real Ones or when you're going on radio hits or when you're talking to your to your partners and stuff like that, what is what have you seen as a former player that is the best practice of teaching and talking the game through with you know, the consumer, whoever you're talking to in a more, the most entertaining way possible. Like, is there a balance that you have to 
walk or a line that you have to walk? Like, how do you approach that? I only know how to approach things one way. I've only ever approached things one way, and that's to just say it how it is. And I don't try to make basketball entertainment when I talk it um, to you, to our listener, to Howard, to my kids, to coaches. That's not that I don't find that to be my job. Um, my job is to talk basketball the way I know it, the way I lived it, um, the way I was privy to see it up close and personal, having played with some of the greatest to ever play and be coached by some of them. So I just try to call it how I see it. Um, how it's received would depend on who I'm talking to, right? And their level of understanding, in a lot of cases, their level of experience doesn't necessarily have, it, have to have been them playing at a high level, but being exposed to the game in some capacity at a high level gives you another perspective on it than just being a, a, a someone who sits there and, and kind of watches it you know, from time to time. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't think this is just a basketball conversation. I think this is a, you know, it's just generally like a society conversation, how we consume many things. But, you know, I personally don't feel like it's my job to entertain anyone and walk a thin line between keeping them entertained and, and telling them what's actually happened, what's actually happening, you know, on the court. Like, I don't, I don't see it that way personally. Howard, have you, how have you seen like how we have evolved? Cause it was, uh, there was a podcast the other day that I was listening to. It was uh, Bill Simmons and um, Derek Thompson. It was like it was a really fascinating discussion on just the future of everything, right? Where and one of the discussions that they had was Derek was talking about how he consumes basketball in this time, and basically how he the gist of it was he will basically read the headlines throughout the full season, maybe listen to Ringer Pods. And won't actually watch the game until about April and May. And I do think that that there was something to be said about that because I do think that that is how the consumer, especially for basketball, where that is going. Where do you see it going? Do you agree with that sentiment? And what does that say about our league? And how do we educate in that um, while the landscape is changing around us? Because it's not the landscape that Raja played in. It's not the landscape that you covered to start your career. Or yeah. how I stuck covered to start my career. Like, how do we kind of bring all these things together and not make it so like, oh, it's just like such and such said this about such and such. Ha, ha, ha. It's about more of the game. Going back to what JJ said, like, I, I want to be clear, like, I'm not going to I'm not here to like criticize what JJ said, but there was something he said that kind of set me off or set off my my thought patterns in a certain direction, which is why I flagged this and sent it to you last night, Logan. Um, because I feel like there is this. um this tension that we've seen and it plays out a lot on social media, but now it's playing out. It played out on first take last week and it plays out on podcasts. There's this tension between like the hardcore nerdiest of the nerd basketball fans. And I say that I use nerd with affection in this case versus what people now refer to as the casuals, which is a ridiculous, obnoxious pejorative, right? Real quick, casual fans, not the casuals using that word, but casual fans, are the majority. They're the majority of it, not just NBA fans, the majority of NFL fans, majority of hockey fans, majority of baseball. When you see a surge in ratings for the NBA finals, far and above any regular season game, guess who that is, folks? That's the casual fans. Yeah, the ones that you've been dumping on saying, oh, the casuals don't understand the game. Without the casual fans, there is no game, or at least there is not the economic boom times that we see now. Casual fans are the majority of the fan base. NBA Twitter, and the nerdiest of the nerds and the people who get into all these fun debates that a lot of us get into 
about this player versus that player and efficiency and breaking down sideline out of bounds plays and all this. That is niche. That is very niche. It is a small percentage of the overall NBA fandom. So I just want to like note that for the record here. So when JJ is lamenting that if he tries to teach the game on his podcast, do a video breakdown, and here's Zion, and Zion is playmaker of the last 10 games, and here's how that's uh, worked or not for the Pelicans, Bob. And he laments the fact that doesn't get as much engagement as him strafing, absolutely destroying, taking down Doc Rivers. Um, yeah, that's sports discourse. So quick perspective to add, answer your question, Logan. 20 years ago, it's, it's we're in year 2024, right? So 2004, I, there's no blogs yet. I don't think blogs had come out in 2004. I think it's a couple years later. We have basically like, so let's go back to the year 2000 or something, right? Uh, the year Kobe and Shaq with their first championship. I'm covering the Lakers. There are no blogs. There is no social media. Uh, there's no YouTube channels devoted to basketball. I'm not sure if YouTube had even launched yet in 2000. There are no podcasts. Podcasts didn't exist yet. There's, there's, there's no platform for X's and O's. There is no discussion of the X's and O's. All coverage, for the most part, newspapers, magazines, radio, TV, all coverage was basically what people now derisively refer to as the narratives. You know, ooh, the dreaded narratives. It was about the drama of the sport, the, the, the storylines of the games, the storylines of the finals. Um, and yeah, that's drama and feuds and sometimes fights and signings, trades, controversy. That is the sports ecosystem since the beginning of time. <laughs> Most people are not breaking down the elevator doors play or split action and all like this is not the 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 NBA discourse that has existed for the for for all of time. It's only in this era that we live in now where we are fortunate to have many more voices in the space, some of whom love to break that stuff down and educate all of us on it. We have second spectrum and we have synergy and we have tracking data and we have all these tools and basketball reference. Basketball reference didn't exist in the year 2000. I don't think they came about until like the mid 2010s. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we have now, a lot of resources and tools and voices, and that's all great. But I just want to note that for the vast majority of the NBA's existence and sports existence, the discussion has been about the human condition, like that, that's what we, we watch sports for the drama and the human condition, right? Success and failure and adversity and, and resiliency and yeah, controversy and drama too. Like we, sports is entertainment. It's entertainment more than anything else. And so if you want to drill down and get into the, the nitty gritty and the X's and O's, I, I respect it. But if anyone's lamenting and, and, and doing all this obnoxious, I think, gatekeeping about how to consume the sport. As if there's a right and a wrong way, that's that that's what, what drives me nuts, which is why I I I uh sarcastically uh responded to JJ's rant with me saying, uh this was me on Twitter, I had a great Venezuelan dinner last night. True story, Blanks. great Venezuelan food in Miami. Um it, enjoyed it very much, didn't need the chef to explain how he made it. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Point being, <laughs> I can enjoy a great meal, a great movie, a great song, great book without thinking too hard about how it got made. And and I think that that's broadly how we all consume uh, most things that we don't understand how to do ourselves. Okay. There's, there's the, uh, thus ends my Ted talk. No, I think that's interesting, but like I, I and Roger, you could probably attest to this. You've been on the court, but I do feel like the way we consume NBA media now is a lot different than other sports, right? Like I think about NFL 
it's a lot. It's not as fragmented as like, oh man, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, and this. It's like, especially on like Twitter and all these places. Like I also I listen to um want to give a quick shout out to uh the Stadio podcast um with uh, my guy Meso Kwanga. What they talk about uh, the, the so- talk about soccer and and it's a lot more love of the game. Now that doesn't mean that there's not criticism, but it feels like with NBA specifically. It's all about everybody is is this huge community of just like we're just gonna get takes off and we're gonna shit talk and it doesn't seem like we talk about it seems like we talk about everything but the game in this instance right like we don't talk about like what I, I feel like when I was growing up and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they, like to what Howard was talking about there weren't all these points of engagement when it comes to the player psyche and all of this this talk where do you think that that ha- where that has gone Raja where you, we all, me and you talk about this all the time. Where it's like, if you were in the league right now, Raja, you would be hella online. You'd probably be trying to be settling scores and things like that, right? But what do you think that it does to this young kid's psyche when they see all of this right in their face? Well, it's like anybody else's psyche in this in this world we live in. I mean, I'm sure there's exponentially more anxiety um, from from players. Uh, there's just too much information. Um, you know, I'm sure attention spans and their ability to to really lock in. It, it, it happens to me. Like, I can barely sit through any kind of game or TV program now. I used to be a TV and movie junkie. Like, sit there for hours and just watch movies. I love them. Games, too. I can't sit for 15, 20 minutes. Like, it's, I, I got, if, if there's a lull for one second, my mind drifts and I'm looking at the phone. I'm like, fuck, you just missed 10 minutes or whatever you were doing. So, as a player, you know, I'm sure they struggle with all of that. Um... I, I think to some degree, because it's all you know, they, they may be more callous to it than someone like me telling you that if I were, you know, trying to play through this, it would be frustrating for me because, you know, I I didn't grow up in it. I wasn't used to hearing everything that everyone said about me, either in a negative or a positive way. So therefore, you know, I'd have more of a reaction like that's all my boys know. That's all that that's all that some of these, you know, young pros know. So I, I, I do believe they may in some instances at least be more callous. Um use like KD, for example, who's like a a a, a weird towards the last generation, you know, of guy that came in right before I retired. Yeah. Guys like him seem to have a little bit more of an engagement and a, and it seems to bother them or trigger them in a way that it might not some of the younger players. It's just because when they came in, it, that wasn't that wasn't what they had to deal with through high school and college. You yeah. know, that wasn't that wasn't there. Look, I'm a casual fan. You know, like I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm a casual fan. I'm not sitting there breaking down the PER of the third string point guard or how efficient he is and pick and roll going to his left hand. Like I don't give a fuck. I don't I don't I don't watch basketball. That's a like lot that. of work to do no. on Christmas Day when you're just trying to have a game on. You know, this is a lot of shit that you got to do when you got the fam over. And you- <laughs> no real talk. But I think you asked a question, and I, you didn't pose it to me, but you kind of touched on, you know, why the basketball space is 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 more littered with that. I find that interesting. Like I, I'm sure that they're football, you know, guys like that too. I mean, they're out there, but like the basketball world just has so many so many analytical like minds in it. And that's not just from like a fan or a media perspective. That's within front offices and stuff like that, where that's interesting to me, like why we have, it's, it feels like a disproportionate amount in the basketball space uh, itself. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to it, but you know, I, I, 
it's very hard. Like even I, I would just say this: you can you can know basketball just because you didn't play basketball doesn't mean you can't coach it. Doesn't mean you can't teach it. Doesn't mean you can't understand it. Um, doesn't mean you can't read the numbers of it. But there is a point where even if you call yourself a fit, an aficionado in in let's say this this analytics world and you've got this platform that's got millions of followers and you're breaking down games and you're preaching um you don't really know you don't yeah. you, you you can't like you you're suspecting that you know you are reading the numbers and you're telling people what they're looking at but th- th- at, at some point like you got to get over yourself a little bit right like and i only say that to say like don't take yourself too seriously i will say this though Ra. a lot of people and i'm sure howard can attest to this too a lot of people use that number shit as a crutch you know to make it seem like they know so much more and that it makes the it makes a lot i'm not saying the grand majority but there are a lot of people that make it make try to make themselves feel smarter by using the analytics and throwing it in your face even if it's like even if the analytics like you didn't have to tell me his per for me to know that that person sucks or for me to for or to tell me his i don't know man like his defensive rating to tell me that he's a great defender. Like I see it too, right? Like I think some people just use it to just say the obvious to make themselves one seem smarter and then just to have numbers bag it up. Like, I don't think it's always the fact that they, they know it and they're, I think it's to make them seem smarter as to actually them being smarter than that's you. fair. Look, that, ha- that happens. I mean, in every walk of life, that's not just sports or just basketball. Right. So that, that happens and I'm okay with that. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that you like that, that, that you aren't, great at doing what you do if that's what you do i'm just saying at some point you know you you too could be labeled as a casual by someone so i'm kind of echoing in a way what howard's saying right like even that guy who's saying that someone else is a casual because they don't break a game down like that well someone like me could call you one can you dig what i'm saying like so get over yourself a little bit well and that's that's the problem with gatekeeping, right? There's always somebody else who can, who's who got yeah. another card to play on top of yours, right? Like right. There's always a Rajabun who played in a league. Be like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Fuck out of here. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't even get down like that, but I'm saying, like, if, yeah, you, yeah. If, if someone were yeah. to do that, like, you, you, you're right, Howard. You got to be careful with that. Well, and, and I just, I would just say this, and to, to, to JJ's credit, and JJ does, like, it's funny because there's various versions of, of, of JJ now, right? There's first take JJ, and then there's like podcast JJ. <laughs> um, uh, I, I love your work, JJ. Um, but but he comes back on the pod the next day to add some more context and in a little calmer state because he was going back at Stephen A. Stephen A. was going after Kevin Durant, and, Kevin, and he said something about how you know Kevin Durant, you're supposed to be the one to educate the fans, and so JJ's rant was partially it was mostly about going back to Stephen A about the idea about players needing to inform the fans or educate the fans. So JJ says says quote since when is it players jobs to educate people on basketball? When did that become a thing? Isn't that our job and he means our job as the media not his job as a former player. And then he goes into the whole thing about how how the the sports ecosystem is is screwed up and how the informative stuff doesn't get as many views or engagements as a Doc Rivers read. Before you get to that I do want to get to a point that we're we're talking about. This happened on a platform where where people are arguing about sports, right? And that's also the new yes. ecosystem that we're in that didn't exist yes. once upon a that, time, right? Where yeah. like we're literally <laughs> arguing a point where let's be honest, 
Not a lot of people are as like I'm just saying this for the average just consumer. Not a lot of these people on television. I'm not specifically talking about Stephen A. I'm not specifically talking about JJ Reddick, but a lot of these people that you see on television aren't as educated on the sport that they are talking about as you think, right? So like you're for starting sure. to see this. Yeah. And I'm not even saying like I'm not saying it like they don't watch the game. They probably watch it. Probably less than you think that they do and less that you do less than you do on your everyday. You're watching your team every single day. These people yeah. on television that you go to watch for analysis aren't watching your team as much as you are. And so you got to take that into consideration because you physically can't. It's not no. it's not a bad thing on Stephen A or whoever or Perk or whoever. There are not enough hours in the day, man. There's not no. enough hours in the day. And like you're telling people to go like it's like if, I, if, if you had Raja go do seven podcasts a day and then expect him to watch seven NBA games at night like it's hard it's really hard work to do i want to get back in on something you asked me about the players and as you're talking it's it's ringing true to me and it's it's bringing up because we live in that world where we're going to debate everything right then stances have to be like on either end of the spectrum there's very little that can be in the middle because we're too close to each other like I, i remember going on first take i was terrible I was terrible because I didn't fully understand that they want me to say the opposite of what he's saying and arguing. Yeah. You can't be like, oh, yeah, good point, Stephen A. Good job. But like, that's yeah, what yeah. I was doing. You can't say good point on those shows. You can never say, you know what? It's a great point. I was a young dummy and I was like, well, that is a good point. And I could see your side of it. And so I'm trying to talk it out like and just completely missing the point that it's just for a show Bad and TV. we got to argue. But because because it's there. Like, then you got to have these two at opposite end of the spectrum argument. And as it relates to what you asked me, Logan, about the player, we don't live in a world anymore where a dude has the ability to just not be playing great for a week and a half and not be awful or washed or at the end of his career or sucks or should be traded or can't play. We don't live in that world anymore. We used to live in that world where, you know, if I scored 30, no one was talking about making me a, a a signature sneaker. I wasn't the face of the NBA, right? Yeah. But if I didn't score 30, I shouldn't be back in the CBA either. Like, you know, and we live in that world now. Where, yeah. And that's got to be hard for a player. And I'll just note, I noted all the other things that didn't exist 20 years ago, blogs and social media. 24-7 debate shows didn't exist 25 years ago either. Like ESPN had not completely become the Embrace Debate Network where every show was just people yelling at each other about something. So. Like the ecosystem in a lot of ways right now is healthier and more diverse and richer because we have a ton of voices on uh, podcasts and blogs and everything else. So you can get, if you want the really hardcore nerdy stuff, it's there, but all the debate stuff is there too and all the aggregated stuff and all the viral stuff and all the rumor stuff and all the gossip stuff. There's just more of everything, including of course, 24 seven debate shows that sometimes like. I think derail all these conversations or overshadow the basketball. But again, I don't, I don't know how much of there is to lament there. And I, and I wanted to make sure I, I note this before I forget it. JJ on his pod the next day did say the same thing that I was saying at the top of this pod, which is there are a bazillion ways to enjoy this game. There's not, a, yeah. there's no right or wrong one way. He may lament as somebody who does a lot of really intelligent deep dives on the game that not enough people engage with that in the same way they engage with him strafing Doc Rivers. But JJ obviously understands the sports ecosystem and that's just the way things are. Like I have the same issue. Like I don't, I've rarely in my career, especially in this era where you can know your traffic, I don't want to know my traffic, but I do know, I do know that my uh, richly reported 
you know, extensively researched 3000 word deep dive on a player or trend is not going to do as many numbers as somebody's power rankings. And no disrespect yeah. to power rankings. Some people do them really, really well. But power rankings are cheap and easy. And and, <laughs> and, it, and it is almost the epitome of clickbait. And there's a lot of stuff out there. It's so shit off, Howard. Clicks. It's so shit yeah. off, Howard. Yeah. It yeah. will yeah. get Talk a lot him. more clicks <laughs> let me, let- than, than me or Logan doing like a one-week trip where we spend thousands of dollars of company money to go track down some players and do a, a, a nice, deeply reported feature. Like, that's... That's the broken mm. ecosystem we all operate in. And, and I, I lament that as much as JJ does. So I think, you know, so I'm, I'm not disagreeing with him on, on either end of this. Um, there's, there's, there's plenty there to actually lament, but we just can't get too carried away, I, I think, with it. Like the, the, the ecosystem is what it is, unfortunately. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure any of us can mm. fix it. So to be clear for the 47-year-old who doesn't like interact online all that much, when you say know my traffic, you mean the people that are going to look at your shit? Like, like yeah. literal clicks, Raja. Like, yeah. okay. when I was at Bleacher right. Report, when I first got there, thankfully they eventually removed this. There was a there was a public like counter there on every story where it would say like this story's got three thousand reads, this one's got five hundred thousand, and yeah. not only did you know it as the writer, the, the whole world knew it. The streets it knew it on the story. It was yeah, wow. the streets knew it. Eventually, they got a weird rid of the public one, and I could ask like, "Hey, uh, how'd my you know story the other day do?" To to add to that, from like if we're going to get on our on our uh, journalistic bag, like I would that would mess up because I remember when I first started at the Mercury News, and I had access to like all of the traffic of my stories and other people's stories and all that stuff, right? And as a consequence, like you would start to write stories for the timeline. If that makes sense, I don't know how it is for like was for Howard, but you would start trying as a young reporter trying to get on and trying to get to the next step. You would write stories just like not just to, but you would write stories to try to get noticed. And how would you get noticed? And how would you get clicks? Try to get a quote. This is this is the difference between when you came up and I came up because there's like a good number of years between us, and this is really actually instructive for for like the listener. So I start my career in the early '90s, and I start covering the NBA in '97. In a newspaper, in a, a completely newspaper-oriented world where there is no real internet, or it's the early days of the internet, there's like email, there's no websites, there's no anything. You don't know how many people read your story. You don't know yeah. if people, ev- even if they did read your story, and when they pick up the newspaper the next day, um, did they read my Laker game story? Or did they pick it up to read about what's going on in Congress? Or did they pick it up to read about, did they just pick it up for the classified ads? Or, sure. or like... The, you know, the comics page. I don't know and I don't care. And we were better off as an industry before we could actually quantify everything. And you didn't know if the clicks. Fresno Bee just picked up your story from the LA Daily News. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know no, if, that like, shit, if your shit got hot. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> we're in a bag, Raja. We're in a bag. I know, but I feel like that. I love it because I feel like that way about basketball sometimes. We were better off when we couldn't quantify every single thing. Real talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's it's like, dude, I, I was I was saying this like there are people. I don't think analytics has necessarily ruined the way we talk about basketball. I do think it's it is it has it has both enriched and cluttered the way we talk about it. I remember Russia. like an editor telling me like, "Yo, if you want to like say I wrote like a great Durant story or something like that, right? Our editors would it was like way back in the day, but like our editors would be like, "Can you write another Durant story tomorrow? Like, what the fuck? No, like I." Because they I, saw I the number spike. week and a half, right? They saw the number yeah. spiked, and they so, would be like, "Yo, go next, oh, right? Just ask them any question." You know what I mean? So you like, had, that would be frustrating. 
you unfortunately, Logan, had that kind of um, like inherent pressure starting from the beginning of your career. Whereas for me, like it's later in, in your career where all of a sudden like, oh, now they can measure everything. And now we're in a world where, yeah, everybody just wants more LeBron, more Steph, more KD. Um, I have always tried to do what I can to veer, right? Like I did a big feature on Thon Maker when he was with the Bucks because I just thought he was fascinating and that their choice of him was fascinating. And that was not going to be some automatic click machine, but I wrote what I thought was a really good feature. Like I just, my lament is that in an analytics driven era, on every front in our industry has ruined our industry because too many places, including my most recent former employer, I will say, are just chasing clicks a lot of the time. Yeah. By the way, my re most recent former employer still does a lot of really great stuff too. But there was a lot of pressure before I left there to start just reacting to everything, to weigh in on everything that was being yelled about on Twitter or on ESPN. It, like that, that model has warped the media ecosystem. And I, and I think in some weird way, that's kind of what JJ was inadvertently touching on last week. And, and obviously that's why it struck a chord with me because uh, clearly having rambled for quite a bit here, uh, I have a lot of thoughts. It's fired up. <laughs> We're the bag. Like We're the hey, bag, hey, Roger. As, as someone who can frequently get fired up, Howard, I can appreciate that. <laughs> I rock with it. We'll I rock talk. with it. Yeah, man. Shout out JJ Reddick being a, a friend of the fourth estate. You know what I mean? Shout out to the God. Um, <laughs> JJ's All great. right. <laughs> All right, man. Any any last thoughts, Raja, on 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 this uh on this discussion? I have a question for Raja, actually, if he doesn't. Go ahead, fire away. St Stephen A kicked off this whole thing by saying Durant, instead of lamenting what the fans don't know, should educate them. And JJ came back with, hey, that's not our jobs. Raja, you're you're a former player. Well, while you were playing or even now, like how much do you think it is on the players or coaches or whoever to educate us as you go doesn't mean you you like have to spend every day breaking down x's and o's with a chalkboard or a dry erase board or a ipad um Grease board. but <laughs> but like it, do you did you ever feel that or do you feel that responsibility is that part of it no weirdly i mean and maybe not weirdly but no i never felt like it was my job to necessarily um you know explain to fans what was going on i felt my job was to answered the questions that Howard posed to me and Logan posed to me. And I felt like it was their job to explain what was going on. And so when they came in the locker room and they caught me at a media scrum to answer, ask me a question um, that would take me to a place where I could get into that a little bit. But I didn't, I didn't feel like if I ever got a microphone in my face, my job was to be explaining um, where we were as a team and why we were there. Now, when I, when I sat in an executive seat, Howard, that was my job. My job was when I got in front of people to explain, hey, where we are as a team, what we have going on, how, how the coaching stuff is going on. But as a player, I never really felt like that unless, unless something happened personally with me, like the Kobe situation with me, like where it's, where it's a huge deal. Um, now I have to explain myself, right? Like that, that's, I, I, I had a few situations like that where in that space, I have to explain what happened, why it happened, you know, give some context to it. But I, I didn't feel like my job as a player on broad scale was to, was to be educating a fan quite, you know, and I never met anyone else who did. I've, and I've, you know, again, I, I was blessed to play with a lot of great players and we had some amazing conversations over meals and, and stuff like that. And no one ever said to me or, or did I see anyone ever act like it was their job every press conference to, to be educating fans. I just want, I just wish I like, we could just see KD, like go full Mike Brown and just bring the laptop 
every time he comes and does a presser, you know? Just be like, this is what I did, Rare! KD actually had a couple of those moments. If there was ever a player, like, also, like, it's not their, it's, I don't feel like it's y'all job to do it. Y'all job is to, is to hoop and, like, and to fucking get your team to win a title, right? Like, that's just a lot of things. Next. But, like, I would say players, by and large, if they, when they have time, they do educate us. Like, even in the locker room scrums, they'll be like, yo, Howard, yo, check this out. This is why I did such and such and such and such. Or I seen, like, remember when, um, when, the, when, CP was on the Thunder. There's this really great video on YouTube and a film session with Chris Paul. Like, that was amazing. Or, like, KD, or no, LeBron. All, like, if you catch LeBron sometimes, like, just ask him a question in a scrum, he will go on, like, a two-minute whole thing about what happened on that play in that set. Like, it happens. You know what's, what's interesting, again, is, is, Howard, you asked me the question. I answered that, and that's truly the way I felt when I played. But admittedly, I'm from a generation where that's how it worked, where I didn't have a voice. I couldn't create a podcast. Like, so I was conditioned to be like, okay, you guys write the stories, right? You guys are going to tell them what's happening. You're going to come to me to get some insight. I'm going to give you that. And since we've got this trust built up and, and so on and so forth, I can be honest with you and you'll write, you'll write a good story. Like it doesn't always have to pay me in a glowing light, but you'll write it the way it is, right? Um, today's player could, could be a little different. Like they, they could be because they've just got things at their disposal that allow them. And so th- when you said, did I feel like it was my job? I never felt like it was my job unless the Kobe situation happened or something else happened like that. And then it becomes a want. I want to explain to you what's going on. I want to educate you. I, I feel like there's a difference there between the two. Didn't feel like it was my job all the time unless I wanted to get something out there. And, you know, we quite frankly just didn't have the platform. By the way, what's funny about that, that platform exists now. And when you think about players or former players who have uh, decided to use that platform, Pat Bev, Gilbert Arenas, uh, Pearson Garnett, everybody else, what are they talking about? They are talking about the same things that the rest of us (coughs) casuals are, (laughs) which is who's the GOAT? Is Doc Rivers a good coach or not? And all the other usual stuff. Like it is like Pat Bev's not doing deep dives on sidelines out of bounds plays like so it's it's just it's kind of funny so the people who do know the game most intimately and are the true experts i i would never ever ever call myself an expert on the game of basketball i cover basketball i write about basketball i i'm not an expert raja you guys are the experts my job is to talk to the experts and try to learn as much as i can so i can explain it to the reader that's the job yeah. but the, the the true experts have these these platforms now and are <laughs> and are <laughs> are just are telling locker room stories and like stirred up a lot of the same debates so yeah. it's kind of fun all right let's take a quick break we got a branded segment on the other side of the break ooh wow ooh wow ah. this episode is brought to you by indeed we're driven by the search for better But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like Hickory Barbecue and Cheesy Baja. 
crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I'll get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Okay, like tonight, we got the Heat and the Kings. I'm going to take the Kings to win, but no Jimmy Butler. I'm going to take Bam out of bio over on points. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and shoot your shot. FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And we are back. Raja, Howard, we have gone Hollywood. State Farm is here. And they're like here a to good neighbor? Uh, sponsor like a good neighbor, you know, what because, up, today, because <laughs> today's real one of the week is presented by State Farm. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh, yeah, or I can't believe it. But you, what you'd really want to say is that you're covered with the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so, you know, this is shout so, out to Brooke and Robin Lopez for their State Farm commercial. That one's that's my new them. favorite. So this is a Monday, right? So I wanted to, they, and they want a segment. So what I wanted to do was kind of talk about somebody interesting so we can keep the the legacy of our Thursday Real One of the Week. But I want to talk about somebody that I find that's really fascinating and make a segment around it. And the person that I really find really fascinating right now is uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo, right? Who obviously is on the road to trying to win his second title. He is currently 29 years of age. And it got me to thinking, right? Because for years, we have thought about Giannis as this like this basketball, just, I don't know, alien unicorn is probably the better word. Um, and this guy that, with the talent that he has, is something that we haven't seen before. And it's probably going to lend itself to a lot of titles. It felt like he was going to be the anointed one, probably take the baton from LeBron and like this next generation and be the face of this. Now he's 29 years old, but like he only has one title, has two MVPs. Um, so I, I did some research, guys. I looked up guys who have won, went on StatMuse, shout out StatMuse, went out, uh, looked up guys who have won two MVPs, one title with career averages of 23 points, nine assists, four rebounds, or five rebounds, excuse me. And that's his. That's Giannis's career averages, um, and guys that have fit that mold and those things. So, people on this list are uh, thirteen people. Players on this list is uh, Jokic, Giannis, Steph, Duncan, Jordan, Magic, Malone, Bird, 
Kareem, Wilt, Russell, and Bob Pettit. Now, of those guys, um, Jokic and Giannis have one title. The other guys on that list, I'm seeing uh, Kareem, five, Wilt, two, LeBron, uh, four. This is all before they hit 30, or this is all before they hit 30 in terms of championships. Um, And I'm seeing that, and it makes me feel like Giannis is on that list in terms of stats, but he's not on that that list in terms of championships when uh, when it's all said and done. And he and guys like Giannis, when they hit thirty, it's a, it's not like usually when you see like a, a Kobe who gets the second win and gets two more titles. Usually, you're on the downturn. We're starting to see that, I think, with Joel Embiid, and we're starting to see that with other guys. Like, do, I guess the question that I that I've been going on and emulating in my head is. Does and I'll start with uh, I'll start with Raja. Does Giannis have enough time in terms of championships to reach his promise that we have all bestowed onto him as like this is the guy, this is the unicorn, this is the guy that is going to be the multiple title winning player um, of this generation? Does he still have time to do that? Yeah, yeah, he still has time to do it. I mean, look, a lot of those a lot of those names. Let's say the Wilts and those dudes, the Kareems, um, playing until an advanced age, although Kareem did. Medicine didn't support it in the way it does now. Nutrition didn't support it. You know, technology within a within a uh within a locker room didn't support it. Shit, travel didn't support it. Um, so you know, he's already got advantages there. Let's move to the next generation of bigger player that made his living in and around the paint, let's say, right? To be fair. Well, you were taking a beating every night with the Patrick Ewins and the Dale Davises and the Rick Smiths and the the Kembe Matumbos. Like, you name it, there was just a big, multiple big seven-footers, and so it was punitive in there. Um, you know, not just from a, from a statistical standpoint, but from a physical standpoint, um, that wasn't conducive to playing long and having real longevity past a certain, you know, expiration date. I think he has both of those things in his favor. Like, we'll just start there, right? Like, he's got advantages in both of those. Um, and, and you know, I haven't seen a decline in Giannis's game yet. I haven't. Like, Giannis, Giannis at, at minimum, um, well, worst case scenario, you, you've seen him plateau at greatness. I personally think I still see him adding things to his game. You know, they might not translate into threes and 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 what people want to see him do from a perimeter. But in terms of, you know, ability to play make and understand what's happening and and create for others. And I, I still think I see growth there. So I don't think from a physical standpoint, it's fair to say that that window's closed and he can't win championships. Now, what I don't know is ha- what happens in Milwaukee that's not just a singular thing sometimes like you could he can be fantastic and not win championships like i don't have the answer to what that's going to look like moving forward but i don't think that it's fair to say that giannis is 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 not going to have the opportunity to win more championships there's still time yeah of, of course there's time he's he's 29 i don't think we're going to see him play to 39 the way that lebron is most guys don't do that but he's got at least another whatever 5 6 7 8 years something a lot can happen in that time, but like I don't even, I don't think about it in terms of like what Giannis himself can do, will do, how much he can evolve. Although those are all important things. Like 
it really is about like your 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 surroundings, right? It really is about like okay, they went out and got Drew Holiday, he won a championship. They went out and swapped out Drew for Damian Lillard. They've had kind of a wonky season, but they're still in the thick of things. They could they could still make a run. But Dame is going to be 34 in July. Guards don't generally age as gracefully as unicorns and big men. Um, and and Dame is already showing signs of, of slippage. So uh, not not catastrophic signs, not dramatic, but it's there. That's not an insult. That's like it's it happens. He's, he's almost 34. Um, so the question about if, if we're going to judge Giannis and if we're going to do the like count the rings thing and he's got his one and it's about, well, can he add more? Of, of course he can. He will always play at a level that enable that, that puts his team in the running. The question is going to be when Lillard really starts to decline, who, who's next? Do the Bucks have somebody else they can go get? Does Giannis force his way out? I know Bucks fans become apoplectic when you bring this up. Even when he signed this last extension, I wrote a column that day that was basically just a thought exercise. It was just about like, you can't assume anything in today's NBA where guys move around all the time, championship or no championship, love for the city or no, no whatever. Like Dame said he was a, a blazer for life until he didn't. Like, I'm not predicting Giannis will leave and I'm not saying he should or that I would want him to. I hope he stays the rest of his career in Milwaukee. He has planted, but Howard, he has planted seeds that he could leave even over the summer, this last summer. Yeah, uh, very, very emphatically so before they made the Lillard trade and then before he signed his extension. But extensions don't guarantee anything in today's NBA anymore. And here, there's a really interesting what if moment here. And it's funny, actually, as it happens when I was rewatching um, that J.J. Stephen A. segment from last week on that same show, Reddick made this observation about the Nets. And we always talk about this moment through the through the lens of the Nets, that the Nets were, quote, this is JJ saying, a James Harden injury, a Kyrie injury, and a toenail away, meaning KD's toenail, from winning the 2021 finals. I don't know if they were actually going to win it. KD himself has said that he would have been too gassed, whatever. But let's just take that what if into consideration for a minute. Even if the Nets didn't win the championship, if his if if Durant's toe isn't on the three-point line and they beat the Bucs, the Bucs don't win the championship that that year. I don't know if the Nets do, but we don't we know the the Bucs in this scenario do not. Is Giannis even still there? Right. Um, you know, Budenholzer was already under fire then. He could have been fired, you know, two years earlier than he was. Um, a lot could have changed. A lot is different for the Bucs. We always, again, we talk about that through the Nets. A lot might have been different for Giannis and the Bucs. If Durant's toe isn't on the line, and that's again, that's not to asterisk anything or de, you know uh, denigrate the achievement. But um, by the way, though, Giannis's legacy is secure. He can retire tomorrow. The dude's on the 75th anniversary team. He's a two-time regular season MVP, a Finals MVP, uh, eight, you know, eight-time I think, uh, eight-time All-Star, All-Star, seven-time All-NBA, five-time All-Defense. Like Giannis is good. Like, no matter but it what seems happens. like, but it, but it seems like with this, the, the the reason why I even pose the question is because it yeah. seems like even when you watch him play, he is on this other tier of all time great, right? Like there's yeah. the, the tier of and, and like the, the names that I just that I just named are in the history books are in the are littered in the Hall of Fame. You know, t- Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul Jabbar are all both on that list, and LeBron and Jordan. Like it is a very he is in a rare class, and when you are on that rare class, Howard, and like whether it's and Roger, whether it's fair or not, you are judged by the amount of titles you get because yeah. of how great you are. And I think that that is what's what 
it's just not it's not the fairest thing, but it is what it is. That's wh- that's where we are and when we get to this point. And so, like, I think what I'm afraid of, and I'm just seeing this new crop of new players coming in that are seem to be just as generational. Like, Jokic is on that list. Jokic could win another. Saw him last night. He could go over and win another title this season. Like, the Nuggets are in prime position to do that. And when they start stacking things up, it's going to be interesting how he's viewed, Roger. That's all I'm saying. That's very fair. And to, and to, and, you know, to your point, if we're talking about, you know, Wilt, Kareem, uh, Mike, LeBron, like, I don't see his career trajectory um, right now at 29 unless he just starts winning them, like, running them off, you know, two or three. Like, you're probably going to fall short of that particular very small list. Um, But everybody will for the most part. (laughs) I mean, those are, you know, you're talking about, you know, like, again, Jokic, if Jokic just starts stringing them together and you wind up with four, um, you know, that's a different conversation. But like if I, you know, I, I don't know that I see the Bucks as currently constituted kind of to, to Howard's point, like because it's it's way more than just Giannis. I don't know that I see that as like a as as a as a as a damn dynasty. Right. And so, you know, we'd be talking about something at least semi-dynastic if if we're saying that Giannis over the course of the next seven years is gonna get himself three to four more rings. Like I I don't necessarily see that. It's tough. I watched the Bucks. Yesterday, and I know they beat the uh, the the the, uh, the Sixers, but they don't have like a pet play at all. Like it's just it's tough to watch the Bucks play basketball on a, on a on a nightly basis because it's just yo, you get the ball, you get out and run. Uh, in theory, Dame should be doing pick and roll with um with Giannis. Still not happening. It's just a weird, it's just a weird team right now, man. It doesn't seem like they have their shit together, and they have like a new coaching staff and all these things and all these things. It just seems like. This if he was going to reel off Howard, this like Rogers point, it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen with this team. And a lot of things can happen, right? There's a lot of variances, right? A lot of they could have a great summer. I was gonna say, do you mean this team, the the Bucks franchise, or just this version of the Bucks? This version of the Bucks. This is not it's not going to happen. And usually when you have dynastic type runs, it's usually when you have a set group of a core. It's a set core that continues to win these championships. It's, and so it would I think if this was the core going forward, it's not going to be this one that reels off the run. What doesn't get enough like uh, credit or pointing to in in what happened to them is the Chris Middleton piece. Yeah, like Chris Chris Middleton, and it was it was injuries and age. It was a lot of things, but man, when we were talking about them like that, when they clearly looked like they had an opportunity to win a championship for for a long, he was a very, very good number two. And we'd had this debate, Logan, about when Giannis goes out in a playoff game, he can step into the number one role and win a playoff game. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? And so that doesn't get enough, you know, attention, I guess, in in terms of what kind of happened to the, but like that was a hard piece to have that type of, you know, decline that quickly. Yeah. And he never, you know, Giannis never had the luxury of, a, a, you know, we always, Scotty Pippins are like, forever stand in for these kinds of discussions but he never had his pippin right like middleton was as close as it was going to get and middleton is no scotty pippin no no disrespect to, to chris middleton but like i've talked about this a lot where in today's nba it can be one great player in an ensemble right it's Jokic at an ensemble it's not a it's not a super team it was it was Giannis in an ensemble it was Kawhi in an ensemble in, in toronto and so it's fine, but there's more volatility that way too, because you do have less to lean on. And that was part of the point of the exercise of bringing in Dame is that Dame, at least 
a version of Dame that existed in the past would have been the best co-star Giannis has ever had. Is this version of Dame what they hoped for? Is he better than the best version they have had of Middleton in the past or of Drew in the past? Like, uh. so like that's, that's the issue here, right? And you, when you, when we talk dynasty, what's a dynasty? It's just consistency, right? Consistency at the very, very highest level. We didn't just win a championship. We won multiple in a short span. That consistency exists if you've got, as as Logan noted, a, a core that you have been with for a while. And the Bucks, like the core of the core has been together for a bit. But usually it's also because you got one other guy, you know, Michael and Scotty, Shaq and Kobe for, for as long as it lasted. Uh, LeBron and Dwayne Wade, it was only four years, but, you know, and that's not a dynasty. They won two. But, um, it, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and for a while, KD, you, you've got to have a, a lot of talent for for a for a, a duration of time, and like if it falls apart as it as, as it's been slowly eroding in Milwaukee, there's only two options: either they scramble and somehow fix it and find a way to get Giannis a, a true number two, or a bunch of you know high level role guys, or he leaves. And you know, it's way too early to have that discussion, by the way. But like that's you know that is often how these things go. Mm-hmm. How important is it, with that being said, how important is this season for the Bucks and Giannis? Because there was so much volatility going on this season with the Doc Rivers move, with the initial move to part ways with, with Bud, to the trade. It seems like there's a lot of pressure on this season from the Bucks and beyond. Like, well, how much do you see that, Roger? Like, how much, how much pressure is on this team with everything that we just said for this team to actually make a a deep run and ultimately a title. A huge amount of pressure. I mean, it's, there's a huge amount of pressure on the on the Bucks to be very formidable in the in the playoffs. You've got Giannis, um, chasing. You know, like all the names that we just talked about. He's in the he's in the prime somewhere in that that window is wide open. We talk about windows being wide open with guys like LeBron, and whenever you get them, you're in championship now kind of mode. Uh, Giannis is in that, you know, conversation. Uh, You want to make sure that both he and Dame feel like there's this can work, and having some level of success um, or a high level of success. I'm sorry, in the playoffs is going to be critical to that. You don't want either one of those dudes coming towards the end of this season. If it now that's that's provided you think that's the answer, Giannis and Dame. Right. Like that's provided that as a franchise, you're still looking at those two like they're going to get you home. Now, behind closed doors, you might already said, hey, that this isn't working. I'm not behind those doors, so I don't know. But I think it's critical for them to have success in the playoffs. Now, I don't know that they have to absolutely win a championship, but this this can't fall apart. We talked about this last pod, Logan. If this if the wheels start falling off. This is a catastrophe. You know what I mean? Like, there are not many places you could go at that point. You need stability, and you need to play well in the playoffs for this team. Not saying that it has to be a championship, but it's critical that they play well. Okay, well, today's Ruin of the Week was presented by State Farm. State Farm is there to help answer insurance questions about your car, your home, and other things that matter to you, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And with that, before we get out of here, it's Monday, and we got Kai here. It's Monday mailbag time. Um, hello, Kai. How you doing, bud? What's up, y'all? I'm good. I got a, got a couple questions. First one's from Phil. Basketball is generally a big deal at all levels in Virginia. 
up through DC and Maryland, except on the NBA level. He says, I think the Wizards have some promising pieces and that the homegrown route is the path that the new front office seems like it wants to take. What needs to be done, not just to be good, but to become relevant? I asked asked that question to myself and to my homie Ava Wallace of the Washington Post every single time I go to D.C. Like, this is a great city. Why isn't this happening? Like, what, what this? Why are they doing it? And I and the reasoning I think, and I'll get y'all question. I'll get you to you guys in a second. Is, I mean, ownership has a lot to do with it. You know, like the 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 uh, Wizards ownership has not been great. I don't know when when uh, Ted Leonis bought the team, but it hasn't been great since then. Just even the relationship with the uh, the Wizards relationship. With the DMV, you know, trying to leave, uh, I don't know where they're at, but downtown D.C. It has not been a good move down there, trying to leave, move them down to Virginia. And just the, the give and take relationship with the taxpayers and, uh, you know, Ted just taking public money just to say he's going to build a facility and build in, you know, underrepresented uh, areas and not really following through on that. There's just a lot going on there that has eroded the team's relationship with the city. And I think that's a big reason why you know, there there it's not, hasn't been a great relationship uh, between the city, the great basketball culture of DC. And that hasn't, that's the reason why it hasn't translated to, in my opinion, to their professional franchise. You, what do you think, Howard? I, I, I'm going to spin this forward actually. Like, yeah, the past is what it is. Like, you know, Leon's just stuck too long with, you know, certain basketball ops folks and everything. Like all that stuff is true. And like, they've just been meandering. They've, there's all kinds of shit has happened over the years. Gilbert arenas, all kinds of things. Um, but spinning it forward. I mean, I look at it this way. They made the right hire um, in Michael Winger, I think uh, who they plucked from the Clippers. And I think what Michael Winger and his staff are doing right now, as painful as it is, is the right thing. And, and yeah, I know like, you know, this, the, multiple trades that happened where they end up with Jordan Poole. Like Jordan Poole is not exactly working out there right now, but that's not the point. The point is at some point you just have to rip off the bandaid dealing Bradley Beal at a, at a loss because of contracts signed by a previous administration. It was the right thing to do. You just had to start, you just had to pick a new direction and true rebuilds like this are messy and they're long and they, you don't usually bounce back as quickly as say the thunder did when they blew it up trading out Westbrook and Paul George and got back Shea Gilgis Alexander and all those picks. Like most rebuilds are not that quick or that smooth. So it's gonna be a while, I hate to say, for the Wizards fan writing and for anybody else out there. But um but they're doing the right thing. Like you 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 use your cap room creatively. You take in bad contracts so that you can get draft picks from teams. You stockpile assets, whether it's trade exceptions, draft picks, younger players, whatever, and you just start shuffling and reshuffling the deck. Um, and then listen, like there's two recent examples of teams that, that did this, I think pretty effectively in major markets and, and Washington's a big market, the, the nets and the Clippers in 2019, however badly it may have gone for either team since then. And the Clippers actually look like a contender right now, but the Clippers and nets were both teams that were in bad shape, used their cap room wisely, stockpiled assets, uh, got a bunch of really good, hard-playing role players who overachieved, made them respectable, made them relevant. Kawhi and Paul George picked the Clippers. Katie and Kyrie picked the Nets. And then Harden joined them eventually, and obviously things did not go so well. But there's a model there. There's proof of concept that you can take a a pretty bad situation, especially if you're in a large market where 
you should be able to attract high-level talent. Um, I know the Wizards haven't signed anybody of that level in a very long time, but guess what? Nets and the Clippers hadn't either until 2019. D.C. seems like a great place for an NBA player to live. Like, it's fucking tight. Yeah, I, like, great. I, love, I love going to D.C. I say this about any franchise, and I'll just keep it short. Like, you just have to, you can't be stuck in the middle. And and that's just basically what Howard said. You can't be stuck in the middle, man. Like, so, and they were stuck in the middle for a very long time. All right, one last question. What we got, Kai? Well, this one's from Dave. It's a two-parter. First one is, is Joe Missoula underrated as a head coach? especially considering the conditions in which he got the job. The second part of the question is, who are y'all's top hustle players? I'm thinking about underrated guys like Bruce Brown who play with a motor. <laughs> can we can we throw the Missoula question to another Ringer podcast? Mail there's another po- there's plenty of podcasts that can talk about Fucking mailbag. Is he underrated? I don't know. And I don't know. I don't think I, look, so. Look, I'll answer. I think I'll he's properly right. Ra- go ahead. Gary. we go. Thank I, you, Roger. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's probably, I mean, look, I, I didn't, before we came on air, I didn't look at, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of articles on where they've got him ranked as, you as casual. an NBA coach. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I would say this. I think he's fairly rated. Like, I don't hear people slamming him. I also don't think he's, you know, in, in the conversation with Eric Spolstra or, 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 you know, any of the, the best coaches in the league right now. And I, I personally was very critical of some of the stuff that happened in the meltdown uh, against the heat last year. I think there were things that you could point to. If you watch that tape, you know, there were multiple times where, where there was some schematic adjustment that needed to be made and it, and it wasn't made. If he seems to have gone back, the team is not playing great right now. Um, they're in position to do some things. And if he comes out and they, they get through these playoffs and we don't have those, those 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 areas of of deficiencies to point at in game, then he then then we won't. But I don't think he's underrated or overrated. I think I think he's just what he is. He's a good young coach. Um, there were some mistakes made, like any coach. He's got to grow from them, just like his players do. And now you get another opportunity at it. You know, come this postseason. The only thing I'll add on Joe Missoula, completely from a media standpoint and not from a coaching standpoint, dude, smile occasionally, like just like. Like loosen up a little bit on like what his his interviews and I don't mean just the in game stuff. He's really he's wrapped really super tight during those in game. But like I, I wouldn't want to do those either if I were the coach. Uh, but just pregame post game stuff because like people up there tell me like they really like him a lot. Like he's really great. He's to pretty deal funny one on one basis. He's pretty yeah, funny. but but like man, like he that dude is basketball is life personified. Oh, oh, ball is life for Joe Missoula. Before every game, I don't know if you've been to Boston recently, Howard, but before every game, this motherfucker is doing a five on five with all his coaching staff talking shit. Like if you go get to the, uh, <laughs> the garden like four hours before the game, he's out here on the garden floor shooting, talking shit, all the whole thing. Ball is all completely life for him. It's, it's all he th- yeah. thinks about. Good for you, Joe. What was the second question? <laughs> <laughs> that was a part two, right? Hey, 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 hey. Top 10 hustle players? <laughs> no, who are y'all's favorite just in the league right now? Dylon, 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 Dylon. Talk to him, Ra. No idea. I speak for me and Raja. I speak for me and Raja. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, Howard, who are yours? <laughs> you guys are operating on some other plane uh, um, 
<laughs> I, I'll just I, I'll just start my own backyard. Josh Hart. Josh, I okay. think Knicks fans run hot and cold on him since he arrived because the three-point shooting isn't always there. Uh, but dude just busts his ass every night. One of the best rebounding guards in the league. Always mixing it up with somebody. Always ripping a ball away from somebody. Um, he's a lot of fun. He's he's part of what made what gave the Knicks this this kind of uh, grittier personality that kind of makes them like the ultimate you know Knicks team. Like the the, the reason that people like love this Knicks team aside from him them winning. Uh, and it's been a little rough without some of their starters late, lately. But like this renaissance. Is because they got gritty dudes like like Josh Hart, in addition to obviously, you know, Jalen Brunson just filling it up every night. Does Alex Caruso still does he still is he still like a hustle guy? Let's yeah. go with him. What's Let's, do it. Let's go. No, Let's I mean I, like I'm trying to has he has he like categorized has sure. he moved categories yeah. as a player? Or is he yeah. sure. There we go. Uh, I think Brandon Przimski is a good one too. I saw him take a lot of charges last night. <laughs> <laughs> Took a lot of Raja charges, Raja like charges. All right, I think I think we've had enough. Okay, that that, that that's been another edition of Real Ones. Okay, motherfucking Mondays. Um, Howard's going to the mothership to next week, so he will not be with us. Yeah, if you see him in Sweden, tell him to set, tell him um, he's a real one and tell him hello. All right, uh, we will see you guys Thursday. Ah, all the shits we gave you an hour and nine minutes. Bye. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.